What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 332 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune into Combo's Court. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, share it on your IG stories and tag me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. Today's show, Dr. Nirav Pandya, Associate Professor of UCSF Orthopedic Surgery and Injury Insider for 95.7 The Game, joins in to talk Clay's return, Dame's ab injury, and more. You can find Dr. Pandya on Twitter at Dr. Nirav Pandya. Pandya, that's D-R-N-I-R-A-V-P-A-N-D-Y-A. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? Uh, I'm doing great. Doing great. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about, I'm sure. Most definitely. Uh, tell me more about your practice before we get into everything MBA and surgery, ACL. I'm actually 10 months post-op ACL surgery, so we could talk about that a little bit. But tell me, more, <laughs> tell me more about what you do. Yeah, no, I'm an orthopedic surgeon here out in the Bay Area at UCSF. Um, I do primarily uh, sports medicine in young athletes, athletes under 22. Um, and do a lot of research about professional athletes and NBA in particular. So have a busy clinical practice, do research, and uh, obviously sports injury is a big, pack, uh, big part of my day-to-day. It's interesting because Twitter is not part of your job description, but you give so much great information, expert information on Twitter. What made you take that approach? You know, that's a great, I get that, asked that question a lot. You know, when, as, as doctors, you know, five, six years ago, we really didn't know what to do with social media. You know, we post a picture of, you know, of like, oh, here's me going to work or here's some, you know, basic information. And it actually kind of started a lot when Kevin Durant got injured out here in the Bay with his Achilles. Um, yeah, I realized a lot of people had questions and started asking me on social media, like, you know, can you talk about this injury? Then, you know, Clay had gotten hurt and, uh, you know, all these, uh, all these various things. And I realized this is a great avenue to educate fans uh, about injuries. And, you know, I'm a sports fan at heart, you know, before I went to medical school, before college, I grew up in Chicago as a sports fan. Um, so I saw it really as, as an area where people could actually enjoy sports or understand a little bit more just, just by, you know, 140, 280 character tweets. So um, it's kind of taken off a lot. And uh, definitely it's been fun. I get to interact with fans, you know, and especially with COVID. Um, it's a great way to feel like you're part of a fan base, uh, you know, with, with not as many people going to games right now. So correct me if I'm wrong, whenever there's an NBA injury, you get tagged in it, right? They're expecting, <laughs> they're expecting your response, right? Um, it, it's yeah, de- definitely, definitely California teams. I've definitely noticed more of the national teams as well too, but yeah, definitely NBA is my number one source uh, where people, people come to me asking questions. Yeah. Okay. So me personally, I've had two ACL in, uh, surgeries about 15 years apart, actually more than that. So my question to you is that I'm tremendously grateful for them. I get to work out now. I still get to play basketball. It took me through my pro career, but what have what has been the advancements in ACL surgery over the past, let's say, twenty years? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I think there there are basically three main things we think about. Number one, um, you know, the the techniques we use are much more minimally invasive, and I think that when you're an athlete trying to get back to sports, 
you know, if you have big incisions, you're moving a lot of muscle out of the way, it's hard to get back. And you can be like, great, your ACL's in there, but now you've lost so much muscle mass from the surgery. So I think that's number one. Number two, we've really advanced in terms of rehab. Um, you know, I think, you know, 15, 20 years ago, even it, a lot of it was don't move your knee. We're not going to stress it, you know, and then go back to sports really quickly. So um, I think rehab, all the different techniques, all the monitoring of, of data about muscles and, and strength and how you're moving is, is advanced. Um, and third, I think we've learned a lot more about the different crafts you can use. Um, you know, there's so many options before it was, you know, patellar tendon where you take a piece of bone or you get cadaver. Now you can use your quad, you can use your hamstring. So I think we're able to really, you know, choose the right graph for the athlete based on what sport they play. So um, it's definitely an exciting time. The only downfall of this is I think that we uh, there's an expectation after this injury, just like, you know, with any, anything else that everyone gets back to hundred percent, you know, and unfortunately I think just by the nature of the injury, a lot of people don't, they get back to activities. Um, and that can be hard for people to understand because you see those professional athletes who rehab 24 seven and they're back. But a lot of it is just having the time to dedicate to it. You know, like when we work in our normal jobs, we can't spend eight hours a day uh, working on our knees. So I think that could be the, the, the downside of all this advancement. Yeah. yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I know it was a similar surgery my second time around, but it definitely seemed more seamless. I mean, obviously it's tremendously difficult and you're going through a lot. And I actually think injuries is a way to learn and get better. I don't want to go through it again, but it did seem like a little bit more seamless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we just, and, you know, and I think we've also in medicine specialized a lot, you know, before you go to doc and they're doing everything, they're doing backs, they're doing knees, they're, you know, they're doing, yeah. you know, um, and I think now just the way training is people are super specialized where even now in, in a sports practice, you think, oh, one person does everything. Well, there's someone who does foot and ankle, there's someone who does knees, there's someone who does shoulder. So a lot of us are doing the same thing again and again and again, which makes us better at what we do as opposed to doing one thing a couple of times a year. So I think that's helped a lot. You mentioned the word specialization. So let's segue to specialization in sports for youth athletes. Um, from when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a pro like from really young. So what was I did play some, you know, some soccer, some baseball, but I really focused on basketball for young athletes that want to become pros. What is the best way to go about it? Multi-sport yeah. playing multi-sports or specialization in a sport? Cause I know you've done some studies on it. Yeah, no, that, thanks for answer, asking that question. You know, I think it is multi multi-sport um, and, and there, for a couple different reasons. Number one, and a lot of it has to do with, with how sports has changed a lot. I mean, even back when I was in high school, specializing in a sport meant something a lot different um, than what it does now. You know, like you were doing one thing, but you weren't doing it for like 40 hours, you know, 50 hours a week. Right. Um, I think number one, when you specialize, we know for sure your injury risk increases so much. So, you know, I have these nine, 10, 11 year olds who come in to tear their ACL because they've been playing, you know, soccer, you know, for 40 hours a week since they were young. So number one, increases your injury risk. Number two, you're more likely to stop playing sports. And that's the whole goal of this, right? Is to make sure you're, you're playing sports, you're active as an adult. So you just, these kids burn out. I have these 12 year olds coming and are like, I'm retiring from sport. I just can't take it anymore, you know, um, which is really sad. So that's number two. And number three, we've actually done studies looking at, you know, let's put an injury risk and burnout aside. Like if you actually want to get to the next level, what's, what increases your chance? And we've actually looked at NBA players and first round draft picks, and you're more likely to, to have a long career uh, and get less injured if you were a multi-sport athlete. If you look at the NFL, you look at Major League Baseball, all these various sports, and you see like the people who actually make it to the next level and have successful careers have actually played multiple sports. So um, I think now how sports culture is, Playing multiple sports keeps you healthy, helps work on other parts of your body. Um, and, and more importantly, I think it just, it just prevents you from getting burnt out. You know, I think it's just, it's hard to treat it as a job at a young age. And I think that's just the way sports have gone right now. And that leads to injury and, and all those other things. 
Is there an age where you think maybe not totally ignore the other sports, but maybe start leaning towards your main sport? Because you need to put time into that single sport to become actually elite at it. So is there an age where maybe you start leaning towards specialization, but still have like a multi-sport mentality at the same time? Yeah. No, that, that's great. I, yeah, and I understand the nature of sports. Part of it's hard because, you know, you tell your coach, your AAU coach, you know, coach, I'm not going to be here this weekend. I'm going to a soccer game. You know, it's hard. Right, right. You know, so I understand uh, you know, the limitations. I think, I think early high school is a, a totally reasonable time to start doing that. Um, you know, like freshman, sophomore year, your body's, you know, kind of reaching the tail end of growing. So 14, 15, I think is, is a fine time to start concentrating. And I think for athletes who maybe are, you know, using basketball, playing AAU and playing for their high school, it's kind of not on those off days. You don't have to necessarily play on another team, but do other things, you know, like go swimming, you know, incorporate, you know, incorporate in yoga, other, other parts of training, rather than just like on your weekend, you're like, well, I'm not practicing. Um, let me just go, you know, out for five hours and shoot baskets. So I think it's at that young age, you can start specializing because you need to, um, but all at, you know, 14, 15, but also incorporate other workouts into your regime to make sure that you're staying healthy. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, after my sports career, I felt like I was more well-balanced and I'm probably, I should have implemented this when I was playing professionally. It would have been, uh, you know, a more holistic approach and just working on different things. Yeah. You know, and I, I think if you, you know, out here in the Bay, we, we talk about Steph Curry and I mean, I think he's a great example of, you know, kind of working on other things, you know, when he came into the league and people forget like, it, you know, until Steph Curry's a bust because his ankles are never going to hold up and, and he's, he's injured and injured. And um, people say, well, you know, did he get some great surgery that, that got him, got him to where he is today? And actually, you know, you, you hear the reports or talk to people who are associated with the Warriors, he changed the way he was training. You know, he was working on his core, working on balance, working on all these things that weren't necessarily like just strengthening the ankles per se. And it kept him healthy and made him a better athlete, you know, and I think that's what we forget in this whole process. So I agree that for young athletes playing multiple sports kind of naturally does that. Cause if you have to go from basketball to playing soccer to swimming, you're using different muscles. And, and as an adult too, I feel the same way, um, you know, having core strength and balance and all those other things really helps me from getting injured. So I, I think it's a great, uh, great example of what, uh, what we can do with our bodies. Yeah. yeah. Steve Nash who worked with the warriors was like that as well. Like he used to play soccer all the time during his NBA career. Exactly. Skate, skateboard, all types of stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so um, Clay Thompson, let's shift to Clay because I thought it was amazing. The mentality he brought to that first game. If you've never been injured like that before, that was a sight to see because you know, some people might work their way in, pick their spots, not Clay at all. There was no hesitancy. He went right through the lane and threw it down. I mean, it was just incredible. What did you think about his first performance? Uh, you know, first of all, it was great, you know, being in the Bay Area. It was just such an emotional time for a lot of us to see him in the introduction and, you know, saying he's back, Clay's back. So I think that was a, that was huge. And, you know, you started out the game and, and you, know, he, you know, the first point basket he made was a layup. I'm like, that's kind of, you know, that's interesting for someone coming off two major injuries. I thought he'd take a three-pointer, you know, kind of very, very right. good. Um, that dunk, I mean, it was literally like, I'm back, you know, you're planning off your Achilles. Um, then you're basically taking off your ACL leg and then going in the lane, not knowing what's going to happen. And I'm sure you know that playing lots of basketball, you just never know when you get up, what's going to happen. And then not knowing how you're going to land. I mean, I think that was just a really emphatic exclamation of like, look, I'm confident, which is the hardest thing to come back. I'm here and, and, and let's do this. So I think that was the most important thing. I saw confidence in him. I mean, rhythm and timing and all those other things are going are, are gonna to take some time. And part of that has to do with playing with new players. Part of it's just you can't simulate a, a real NBA game in practice. So, um, you know, that's going to come with time. His performance will come, but uh, he's, he's moving well. He's clearly more explosive, it seems, than what he did, uh, you know, going to the rim than what he was before. So um, all in all, I think it was, it was a great debut for him. 
I mean, that's a big possibility to get more explosive because you're working on parts of the body that you may not have worked before going through the rehab process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you think of a player like Clay, you know, he was, you know, pretty ground-based, you know, he's catch and shoot, um, didn't necessarily go to the lane and, and suddenly you're doing all these things, you know, and you know, coming off ACLs, there's so much work in rehab um, that works on parts of your body that actually, you know, can make you a better athlete and you go through the Achilles and suddenly it's like, why is Clay more explosive? It's like, well, probably for the first time in his career, because he hasn't necessarily been injured a lot. He was considered an Ironman before this all happened. He's working on stuff that actually makes him more explosive, even over the age of 30. So absolutely. I think it can make you a better athlete. And, um, that's why I try to tell my patients as well, too, is like all this rehab you're doing, you may come out the other side and actually be better. Um, so really grind away at it. Cause it's not about just getting back from this injury. It's about, you know, making you potentially better. So I think that helps to, with the mindset as well, too. Yeah. So do you think that the extra time with the ACL actually is a blessing in disguise for Clay? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, when you look at statistics, whether that be NFL or NBA, it's really the, the second season back uh, where people get their statistics back. You know, like you're just the same sort of thing. You're just trying to get your comfort level. You're trying to do all these things and it's just hard to simulate it. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. Like I, people ask a lot, you know, do you think his ACL is still going to be an issue? And I'm like, no, I mean, he's literally had two, two and a half, two years now, you know, a little bit, sorry, like more, you know, almost a year and a half from off from his ACL to rehab it. And it's, it's given him extra time to gain that strength and confidence back. So yeah, I mean, if he would have come back that first season off his ACL, that like may have potentially bothered him. So um, now we're really just dealing with the Achilles. So I, I think that was a little bit of silver lining for, for this. So let's shift to another California team real quick. Uh, PG's torn UCL. Fortunately, I'm not as familiar with that. Uh, I never had a torn UCL, but, and I hope, and hopefully he comes back great, but what does that mean for the Clippers and Paul George himself? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That's not a, not a very common injury that we see in basketball players. Um, you know, we see it every now and then football players. I mean, we associate it with pitchers. You know, pitchers throw a lot, mm -hmm. they tear it, and then they get that, that Tommy John surgery. Yes. You don't see it in, in basketball players a lot is you're not throwing, you know, throwing, throwing the ball that, that hard. And where it can impact you is in your shot because that ligament basically helps to give your, make your elbow more stable. Um, if it's compromised, you know, when you're going through with your follow-through, if it's a little bit off, um, it can throw off your shot. So I think for, for him, the issue is going to be not necessarily is his elbow unstable, you know, hopefully he doesn't have to get a big surgery, but is it going to, is it going to alter how he's shooting? Um, so how can his, you know, mid range game his three pointers, how could that be impacted? Um, and is he going to have pain, you know, if he, if he gets hit on that area? So the, my gut feeling is for something like that, you know, they're talking about four to six weeks, obviously decisions about when he comes back or are, are more in the context of like what's going on with the team. But, um, you know, NBA players have had this been back in four to six weeks. Hopefully he comes back, but, uh, it definitely is an atypical injury, not something we see in, uh, in NBA players. Is Dame's abdominal injury also uncommon because I never heard of a teammate or a friend having to deal with this. Yeah, you know, it's in general, um, it's uncommon. It's kind of like that, that kind of that sports hernia type surgery. Mm. Um, I think I, you know, I read a paper about it. There's been about, I think, 50 NBA players uh, to look back on it. Exactly. So over, you know, over a long period of time, we're talking like 20 years or so. Um, so it's definitely not a common injury. If you look at it, um, players do come back that next season. It's a, it's a pretty quick rehab, you know, in general, six to eight weeks, um, but they play less minutes um, and their performance goes down a little bit. Cause you can imagine you have surgery on your core. Um, you know, it's the same thing we're looking at to, to strengthen when you, when you have a knee injury, you have an Achilles injury, something like that. So if you're trying to recover off that and that's a little bit compromised, obviously that can impact your performance. Um, but lucky for a player like him, I think a larger player who has more mass, who puts more strain on the core could be more impacted. Dame obviously is a little bit smaller, but yeah, definitely haven't seen a major player like him get an injury. You typically, you see it in kind of like, you know, more like fours and fives who are more like, you know, kind of lower down the bench. Um, and part of the reason they're probably lower down the bench is because they've been dealing with these kind of things. So 
um, it'll be interesting to see how he how he comes back. Speaking of fours and fives, do you have an injury update on James Wiseman? Yeah, actually, that came out uh, yesterday. Um, you know, did some media stuff about it. Very interesting. You know, they, the reports we had gotten from Steve Kerr and, and the team indicated, look, he's going to start. You know, start contact pretty soon. And you know, he was at the kind of the later end of a meniscus recovery. We, we, you know, we say six months for some athletes. Sometimes it can be up to nine months. And he was kind of carrying up to nine months, and he got COVID. So we thought, you know, they're just being safe and, and trying to incorporate playing and you know, we had a report in the athletic that he actually had surgery a couple of weeks ago to clean out. Um, so what they said were loose bodies, and, you know, you do get a little bit concerned, you know, based on what was actually cleaned out. If it was just kind of scar tissue stuff that had kind of built up over a period of time, that's something we see in athletes after meniscus surgery. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook had a similar type of thing where he had to go back in once or twice. Um, Derek Rose, you know, had another surgery after his meniscus. So, you know, you hear about it. Um, the larger issue is that was there any kind of re-tear to his meniscus or was there some sort of cartilage injury that um, is going to impact him long-term? So, you know, obviously we don't know that information because, um, you know, Warriors didn't release it, but um, you, you get, you, you know, obviously you get worried for a player that, you know, two injuries, he also hurt his wrist. He didn't play much college basketball, um, you know, coming off of high school, like what's this going to do for him mentally? And then you worry about his long-term career, you know, like, was it, a, you know, does he have less meniscus in his knee now because they had to take something out? Does he have a cartilage defect? So, something you do see after surgery, but, um, you know, I think a little bit, I worry a little bit about what was there. And if it was just scar tissue, I think it'll be fine, but not the, not the news we needed after the Warriors kind of also had a bad game last night as well, too. Yeah. yeah. So as you know, Zion had a setback not too long ago. How familiar are you with that type of injury and what do you think the recovery process going forward will be for him? Yeah. That, that injury is kind of, it's a, it's a tough injury for players to have. I mean, that general, that bone that's, that's broken based on what they were reporting is notoriously slow to heal. It just doesn't have good blood supply and you need good blood supply to that area for the, for a bone to heal, like with anything else. Um, so a lot of times we get worried about, is this something that's actually going to heal in the first place? Um, so number one, and that's, that's harder for a player that's large, you know, the, that bone is, is a certain size. And if you're impacting it and you're, you're big, um, it's going to be harder to heal. And then number two, the other issue we see is that the, the screw you usually put to put in there, the bone's not necessarily straight. You're putting a straight screw in there. So that screw can irritate, particularly NBA players that have large feet. So very famously when uh, Kevin Durant was at Oklahoma city, he had a similar injury and he had to kind of get multiple surgeries because the screw irritated him and, you know, bone was having issues healing. So this is something you see in NBA players and a larger player, it can be problematic. So I do worry just even before people are talking about Zion putting on weight for a big guy to have a knee injury, to have a foot injury, just there's so much stress going across his body. Um, you worry about getting that bone to heal. And, you know, you saw it with Embiid, I think had similar injury. Ben Simmons had a similar injury. So you see it in players. Um, but it can sideline sideline them for a while. So anything in the foot is uh, is difficult, uh, particularly for a larger larger player. Would you say that's the toughest injury to co- let's say common basketball injury to come back from? Yeah, broken feet. Uh, yeah, I think that's tough. Just because you know NBA players, if, if you look and you probably know playing basketball, I mean they got big feet. You know they got yeah. feet, um, and it's a, very hard to fix them. So I think uh, you know foot injuries, whether it be foot sprains, whether it be fractures, um, I think it was the hardest thing to come back from because you know, bone healing in an athlete is so unpredictable, particularly around the foot. I mean, you know, we know pretty predictably what's going to happen with the knee injury, but feet, um, it's so hard because everyone jumps and runs differently and how much load that foot experiences can be different from athlete to athlete. So let me ask you to, uh, we'll finish up with this one, a futuristic, maybe a little bit of a funky question uh, to end off. Um, in the future, do you see, and I'll never go under uh, the knife as an elective, but do you see, surgery procedures that maybe are electives that could increase athletic performance in the future? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I and mean, I think technology, 
you know, I think, I think definitely we've, we've learned that with training, you know, there's training to do, you know, that you can do to get that better. I mean, I think there are going to be surgeries to, to develop. And I think we're getting so much information that, you know, we can identify someone at a young age and say, Hey, this is a mechanical risk for you to develop X, Y, or Z. Um, and, and there are ways that we can correct that. Um, I think the hard thing is going to be the ethical part of it. You know, like it's hard to predict because you can't account for grit and resiliency and all those other things. So, you know, do you get these nine, 10, 11 year olds where some surgeons are going to be like, look, I'll, I'll change your tendon around so you can be more active. So, um, you know, I think there's always going to be this push to improve human performance, but I think the one thing that I think we'll always have a surgery understand is that surgery is invasive, you know, and I think that there's always, as you know, from your surgeries, there are always secondary effects and risks with it. So, um, I think we're most, most of the things are going to be in is rehab and tracking and data and analytics and, you know, optimizing, you know, players performance and how they move. I think that's where most of it's going to be, but yeah, we're always, things are always developing with surgery, but, uh, you know, for me, I, I like to fix things that are broken, not to try to tweak things that are healthy. So, yeah. Well, keep fixing the things yeah. that are broken. You're doing a great job. You do a great job on Twitter. Where can we find you on social media? It was so great talking with you. Uh, yeah. Tell us more about where we can find you. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter. It's uh, at uh, Dr. Nira Pundia. Uh, my name on Twitter. Um, I also post some stuff on Instagram as well, too. It's at Dr. NK Pundia. Um, yeah. And I'm out there doing media stuff as well, too. So, uh, yeah, check me out. Hopefully uh, I can explain some stuff for people so they can uh, enjoy and understand the game a little bit better. Thanks so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Okay, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Anytime. There it is. Another episode of Combos Court. Big thanks to Dr. Pandya for joining in. And big thanks to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories. And tag me on IG at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode three, 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 combo out.